you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether you ride a bike, a Bronco, or a skateboard, Wrangler jeans are for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits. All price points, vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their selection of jeans, shirts, and outerwear for men and women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler real, comfortable jeans. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Another episode of Move the Six, little takeaway podcast. How you doing, Buck? Man, I'm good. Great, man. Great slate of games. Like this is why football is so great. You never know. Oh no, you I, just, knew, just, I knew. I knew Buffalo was going to blow up Minnesota. You, you didn't know you that. Just, you just never know. You, know you just never know. You have to show up on Sunday just to see what is going to transpire. Because on any given Sunday, something crazy. You didn't think happen. the Lions were going to rush for 100 yards and beat up on the oh, Patriots? No, no. I mean, I don't know. How'd you miss that? I mean, how, how, who, it was who right knew? in front of your face. I know. Carryon Johnson. All right, let's, let's jump into our 10 takeaways here because we got a lot to get to. I'm going to start off with the game I attended, and uh, this one's pretty simple. You better get some pressure on Jared Goff. Second goal from the six. Shotgun snap to Goff, who's empty. He throws over the middle. It's caught. Robert Woods takes a would-be tackler into the end zone. Touchdown, L.A. And with 3.19 to go in the third quarter, their lead, 34-20. Yeah, it was a surgical performance by Jared Goff in this passing attack for the Rams. 354 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception by Derwin James. But, Buck, get a chance to see this offense up close and personal. It just, it's a lot of precision. There's some tight window throws. They do, as you mentioned, a lot of window dressing, a lot of that fly sweep action. Mm-hmm. So you get that fly sweep coming. They'll hand it on the fly sweep to a whole host of players. They'll use all their wide receivers on that. Then they'll fake it, hand it to Gurley. Then they'll fake it, fake it to Gurley, throw a screen to Gurley. One time they fake it, fake it to Gurley, end up throwing it to Robert Woods, who was the initial guy on the fly <laughs> sweep. So they just give you a lot of different things to look at. But to me, the big difference, having seen this offense, and one we'll talk about here in a minute in Kansas City, haven't seen both these offenses up close and personal here. To me, the Rams more about precision and more about you know the degree of difficulty of what Goff's doing, fitting some balls in tight windows, a lot of mesh routes. Yeah. Versus Kansas City, where it's just like you just buckle up, man, because you get ready. It's <laughs> you're going on a ride, and it's going to be a one explosive play after another. So a little bit different, but I'd say right now the two best offenses in the NFL. I mean, terrific offenses, and what the LA Rams have been able to do in terms of continue to build this offense around Jared Goff. Last year, all the credit went to Sean McVay. Everyone said that Sean McVay is really propping up Jared Goff, but I think at some point you have to begin to start giving credit to Jared Goff. Jared Goff is being able to make these plays, 354 yards, three touchdowns, and when you look at him deliver the ball, the ball is on time. He's comfortable. Yes, coaching has a lot to do with it, but I think 
we're now seeing Jerry Goff is a pretty good player. He is more than just a game manager that is playing uh, at the helm of a Ferrari offense. And that offensive line is really good. They did a nice job in pass protection, kept him clean. I think he had kind of a coverage sack with, with Mebane there. But overall, they, they did a nice job against the Chargers. Chargers need to get uh, Joey Bosa back, crank that pass rush up. But uh, anyways, impressive showing by Jared Goff and the Rams. What's your, uh, what's your first takeaway? Pat Mahomes is gearing up for an MVP run. Mahomes in the pocket, peeling away, being rushed. Now peels back to his right, trying to keep the play alive. Pump faking, fires it late. It's caught in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Chris Conley with the catch, but Patrick Mahomes with Mahomes magic. Starting left, peeling right, keeping the play alive. Three drives, three touchdowns for the Chiefs. Hey, this Kansas City Chiefs offense is everything that you talk about. It's electric, it's explosive, it's dynamic, and you have a playmaker who is every bit the guy that we thought he was when we did the evaluation. Yes, we didn't put him up at the top and think that he was necessarily a guy that would come off the board in the top ten, but we talked about his gunslinging ways and his ability to kind of make the improbable throws from crazy platforms. He continues to do it, and I think the thing that has been most impressive about Mahomes is it's rare that you see a gunslinger able to kind of corral and harness his talent and play within the confines of the offense. Pat Mahomes has been able to do that while still having the improvisational playmaking that made him a special player at Texas Tech. It was a fun tape to watch and just all the different things they did to spread out this defense and then to attack. And I'm trying to find the lesson in this because we always like to be up front. We're honest about what we got right and what we got wrong on here. And Pat Mahomes, Buck, I didn't have him in my top 50. I mean, based off what we saw in college. And we use that phrase screens and scrambles, which was a lot of that offense yes. that he ran there at Texas Tech. But I'm trying to take a step back and say, what's the lesson? What do you learn from this? And, and what I wrote down is when you have a guy with arm talent, with athletic ability and intelligence, now maybe he wasn't asked to do some of those things in college. The footwork was not refined. There was not a lot of polish there. But when you have arm talent, athletic ability, and intelligence, and I would put even character in there as well, factoring that in, that is a great foundation with which to build. And Andy Reid has done a nice job of cleaning up and smoothing off some of those those hard edges uh, that year, last year on the practice field, and now, look, his feet look good. All those issues that you would have with him, decision-making, footwork a little sloppy, it's all been cleaned up because he had the right foundation. I think that's the lesson that you learn here. That is the lesson to be learned. I am trying to find my notes because what was crazy is I, I, I was digging through, you know how you go through your old stuff, yeah. and you're looking at and I'm like, man, I got these Pat Mahomes notes, and I have guys who are on record quoting like, look, I don't know what it's going to look like, but he is a really good quarterback. Maybe if you get him together, you can do some stuff. He has kind of that Matthew Stafford-type talent. But I just didn't know. I just didn't know if it would come to fruition. And so when well, you talk to well, guys – Well, hold on. While you look for those notes, because while you're looking for those notes, I want to run some sound. We had Pat Mahomes in the studio. It was very impressive in the, in the run-up to the draft. I want to play just a little bit of clip there so you can hear what Mahomes said back in the day and then find your notes. Go ahead. How do you balance, you know, you got such physical talent, but how do you balance that talent with being just a little bit more safe with the football? Have teams talked to you about that, and what's your own assessment of your Yeah, play? I mean, just knowing the NFL game is a little bit, is different than the Big 12. I mean, Big 12, you, you have to score almost every drive in order to win the game, where in the NFL, you uh, you, you can win score 14 points and win games. I mean, that wasn't really heard of in the, the Big That's 12. not going to get it in the Big 12. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, college football really in general. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something where I'm going to have to learn to – take a little bit less risk, but at the same time, keep that mentality, keep that mentality that I, I want to 
move the ball. I want to score every drive. But if, if something happens, we're third and 15, it might be nice just to get a nice eight or nine yards, punt the ball, and flip the field. And that's stuff that you just have to learn with process and with time in the NFL. But you're a gunslinger. How hard is it for you to concede <laughs> – that the defense may win on a down and say, hey, I'm just going to dump it to the back. Yeah, I mean, it's something I'm going to have to learn as I go. I mean, at that, when I'm young, I might make a couple more mistakes. I mean, I think you see it a lot with Matthew Stafford. I feel like with Matthew Stafford, he was kind of a gunslinger when he first came out. He would always try to take those chances. But as he's kind of settled his game down a lot, he can see he's almost MVP, MVP caliber season this last year. So, I mean, he's kind of settled down. And with Tom, he's learned when to make those throws and when not to. So it's crazy. So I'm looking at the notes, and a couple of my scouts have weighed in. This is back from right before the draft. Uh, they said, quote, he has some serious arm talent. He was really impressive on tape before the injury. Sure, he was careless with the ball, but he makes some wild throws that few guys can make. Plus, he's athletic and tough. He will need some time to grow into the player that you want him to be, but he could be a star at the next level. Kind of reminds me of a Matthew Stafford or a Jay Cutler. Wow. Then I had another there guy tell go. me, physically, he's a first-round talent but you have to be patient for his talent to reach his potential. He forces a lot of throws. Some of that is due to having to make up for what Texas Tech lacked talent-wise. He had to do more to win the shootouts in the Big 12. And I think what you're seeing is taking a player of that caliber, a guy who is really a project in, in theory in terms of the talent, but putting him with the right coaching staff, the guy who has the patience to take a young talent like that and to harness it and refine it. And then you know from working with Andy Reid, I know from being around him, um, he just does a really good job of putting quarterbacks in a position to be successful. And I think he's done maybe his best quarterback job in terms of what he's done with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, the creativity, the play calling, the playmakers, it's all coming together so far for Kansas City early in the season. All right, let's, uh, let's keep this train moving here. The 49ers, they're in trouble, Buck, without Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy stepping up, avoiding a rusher, spinning out to his left. Can he make something happen? Looking toward the end zone. Now going to run sideline. Garoppolo to the 10. Garoppolo takes a hit, and he's down at the 8. And he's hurt. At the 7. And Garoppolo is a little slow getting up. Yeah, you never want to see that. As we're recording this, we have not got the final word. I, I'm sure it's coming later today, but it does not look good there for Jimmy Garoppolo, meaning it's going to be C.J. Beathard time uh, for the 49ers and their offense. We saw a little bit of Beth Beathard last year. I went back and studied him, Buck. Um, just not the, the ball placement, the accuracy, is, is it's a big drop-off there from Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is going to be a big challenge for this offense. Big challenge. Big challenge for a team that had – uh, high hopes, team that had playoff aspirations. They thought that Jimmy Garoppolo would be a guy that could push them over the top. To lose him when you really built your offense around what Jerick McKinnon's gone already. You know, the, the magic. So, yeah, they lost two of their top offensive playmakers. This will be the challenge. Can Kyle Shanahan do enough on offense where the defense can kind of carry the water? Can the defense take the lead? But you have a Richard Sherman going out. He may be out for a few weeks. Uh, you have Ruben Foster and some of the young players of their front seven coming back. But the 49ers will have to play a different style to stay in games. I just don't know if C.J. Beathard is good enough to get them to win those kind of games. Sustaining drives, he's not super accurate, so sustaining drives is difficult. But when you go back and study them in the preseason, Shanahan does a nice job of, of shot plays, and they'll get him on some of that boot action off the zone, and they'll get him out, and they'll double move people with Goodwin. We saw it with Pettis in the preseason. So they're going to have to eat the sandwich in one or two bites, get some big plays, because I just don't see them being able to consistently sustain drives with C.J. Beathard. It was difficult last year. It'll be difficult this year. Yeah, I think it will 
will be. I think it's just a challenge. It's unfortunate because that division was shaping up to be a good one. We wanted to see the Rams and the 49ers kind of duke it out. But right now it looks like it's the Rams division. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks can give them some competition. But right now the Rams are head and shoulders above everyone in NFC West. I'm going to go to Carolina right now. And Christian McCaffrey might be the most versatile weapon in the National Football League. On the option play, McCaffrey up the middle, running free, 40, cuts to the left, 35-30, 25-20, McCaffrey tripped up near sideline at the six-yard line. Hey, Christian McCaffrey is everything that he was at Stanford. And I'll admit, I was a little skeptical on his ability to be able to run the football in a North Turner offense that really directed a bunch of the balls in between the tackles. But he's been outstanding. I wrote about it last week. Heading into last week, he was one of only two guys. Like, he and Lenny Moore, Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, that was averaging 40-plus rushing yards and 70-plus receiving yards over the course of a season. That's remarkable. He comes away this week. He has 184 rushing yards, has 10 receiving yards. But it's the way that he is doing it for the Carolina Panthers. We can talk about Cam Newton being playmaker number one. But this guy's playmaker number two, and he's really rivaling Cam to be the top playmaker on that offense. And I think people forget just the workload that he had there at Stanford. So 28 rushes, I know some folks, ah, you know, he's a change of pace, 10, 12 touches. Um, and, look, I thought to me it was about combining those. I don't know why you want to give him 28 carries every week, mm-hmm. but it's kind of that overall touch number, how you want to divide those up. Uh, and showed, again, a little bit his durability, 28 carries there. You mentioned the buck 84, nice day at the office for him and that Carolina Panthers offense Cincinnati Bengals that's kind of a roller coaster they've had some injuries there but a big win for the Panthers my next uh, takeaway there Carson Wentz uh, just took a little while knock off some rust three receivers once again with Ertz in the slot inside of Aguilar to the far side Wentz back looking stepping up firing touchdown he's got Gunner He's got Goddard, the rookie, with his first NFL touchdown. How about that? Dallas Goddard having a nice game. Friend of the uh, friend of the program there. Visitor last year on the move sticks as we ran up through the draft. Buck, that first series, Carson Wentz, the Eagles, came out. A little bit of the Chip Kelly effect here. Remember when Chip used to always just start a drive with one personnel grouping and then go that mock speed and you trap that defense personnel on the field. They can't substitute, can't get out of it. They came out, started the game with 13 personnel, three tight ends. The, uh, the other side of the ball, they matched it with the base defense, and they moved right down the field in that 13 personnel, culminating there with Goddard in the touchdown. I think they had five, five tight end completions on that drive. And after that, you saw some of the rust. Wentz missed a, a read here or there. A ball might sail from him. But the thing that impressed me, the movement was great. He got out of some trouble three or four times. So, to me, the leg, if you're questioning where the movement is, he looks pretty darn good. Yeah, it looked pretty good. I think they did a good job of really uh, opening up the offense while still protecting him. Throwing it 37 times in his debut, that's a lot. But he certainly looked like he can handle it. I think this offense will continue to prove the more Carson Wentz gets kind of settled into being the starting quarterback again and being very, very comfortable with where he is physically. Look, we know the guy is one of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League. We just wonder how long it would take him to get back to form. It looks like he's well on his way. All right, let's keep the train moving here. What's next? Josh Allen could be Cam Newton 2.0. Snap, Allen looks in the end zone, steps to his left, going to keep it and run with it at the five, headed towards the pylon, dives over the pylon, and he is in. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen runs it in from 10 yards out, and the Bills finally take the lead this year. You know, in the run-up to the draft, I kind of threw this comparison out there that Josh Allen kind of reminded me a little bit of Cam Newton. Uh, Without all the extra fanfare and the uh, spectacular stuff that uh, Cam does, 
But Josh Allen's athleticism, his big arm talent, his ability to be a runner uh, certainly reminded me of some of the things that Cam Newton can do. And I thought it reminded some of the Bills officials of what Cam Newton was able to do at Carolina. Well, in this game, without a shady McCoy, we saw Josh Allen do a lot of the Cam Newton type stuff. He basically put the offense on his back. First as a runner, then as a thrower, he made plays. And the thing that I like about what Buffalo did they put him in some zone read things. They did some quarterback design runs. They ran some screens and some things that made this offense look very collegiate, but he really thrived in it. And then the thing that really kind of brings me to the comparison with Cam Newton is he did more with less. Yep. There's no reason why the Buffalo Bills should have been able to put up 27 points on one of the top defenses in football, but Josh Allen was able to kind of put the offense on his back, make some plays with his legs, with his arm to get them down the field. That's the kind of stuff that the Buffalo Bills saw in him. That's what he delivered. We'll see if he can continue to deliver those kind of performances. All right, great performance there from Josh Allen. I went back and watched it, and this is kind of – to me it was a clinic for how you want to start a game game plan-wise. You mentioned it with a young quarterback and get him comfortable. So I went back and watched Buck early early on this first drive. RPO yep. right out the gate. Easy completion, sees it. Nice easy completion, boom. Swing pass, okay? Nice another, little swing pass. One. Nice and easy. Get you a layup there. Screen. Get you a screen. Nice, easy completion. Then he hits a check down. Nice job working through his progression. It's don't be too aggressive. Take the check down. And then you have him scramble for a touchdown, just showing his athleticism and making a play. But that's the perfect script to get him going, get him comfortable, really for any young quarterback. Get him into the move. But I was baffled. It, it, it made me just even more baffled by the week before having been there for that game against the Chargers when they didn't run him the whole first half. And some of it, you know, some of these were him scrambling, but there are also some design runs in there as well. And didn't really use his legs in the first half. In the second half, we started to see that they moved the ball a little bit better. Now you're starting to see that, you know, Cam Newton light kind of uh, personality come out with this offense, and they're going to have to use it. But they still had some brutal drops in this game. Robert Foster drops a deep ball. I mean, numbers could have been much better if not for some drops. Absolutely. They don't have a lot around him. And so, like, look, the blueprint is, especially for those guys having been so up close and personal to Cam, is to go back, look at some of the tape of Cam, and continue to build on this stuff. Cam's rookie season, uh, Cam's first couple seasons, they did a lot of stuff that he did at Auburn. I think you can take that same blueprint, run those same plays with Josh Allen, have similar success. No question. On the uh, on the first touchdown where he scrambles out to the left, Anthony Barr loses his footing for just a minute, slips on the turf a little bit, and Josh Allen just shows you that's all he needed. And he beats he beats, beats him, him to the, the pylon, and that's one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. So uh, happy for Josh Allen. He's taking a lot of heat. And, uh, you know, not not a great start for that Bills uh, team the first two weeks. But, man, I did not see that one coming the way they got all over the Minnesota Vikings. All right, next takeaway, the Ravens. Nice rebound. The Ravens have it. Third and goal from inside the one. They give it to Buck Allen straight ahead behind the left guard. Buck Allen, touchdown, and the Ravens extend their lead. The Ravens are one of those teams, Bucky, that you just kind of – you know you're going to pick your head up. Nobody's going to really have paid attention to them, and they're going to going to find their way to probably, you know, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 wins, somewhere in that range. You know, is it it's going to be good enough to win the division? Is it going to be good enough for them to make a deep run in the postseason? Uh, I don't know, but this is a team that's desperate just to get back into the tournament. I think only one of the last five years they've been in the postseason, and I think this is one of the better teams they've had over the last few years. There's some balance here with this team. There absolutely is some balance. They have balance on both sides of the ball. Their defense is pretty solid. They have a ton of rock stars on that side of the ball who can make plays, can create turnovers, can get the ball back to the offense. And then what you're seeing in Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, when he is on his game, he's certainly good enough to get them to the winner's circle. 25 for 40, 277, had a touchdown, very efficient and decisive, got the ball to the playmakers. And I think with Baltimore, I think Baltimore ultimately has to make a decision. Look, 
Joe Flacco is your starting quarterback. Do everything in your power to make him comfortable. Worry about the development of Lamar Jackson down the road. Right now it should be all about Joe Flacco, putting him in a position where he can get this team to the playoffs. And defensively, Suggs getting after. I think he had a sack and a half in that game. And uh, they continue to look to create some turnovers, get after the quarterback. That's been the Ravens' mantra for a very long Forever. time. But I feel like they're – they're kind of under the radar right now just because teams aren't – you get the – was it national television game where they yep. looked like terrible, uh, and then they bounce right back in this one. Was it uh, Cincinnati that they uh, – they, they Yeah, Cincinnati on Thursday night didn't play well, but it had 10 days to yep. kind of reset, kind of recalibrate, figure out who they are and what they are, and I think they played more to their identity in this game. Adrian Peterson still has some juice. Tight end, no wideouts, I formation from the two-yard line. Adrian Peterson into the end zone for a Redskins touchdown. From two yards out, the Redskins tack on another score. When I look at the Washington Redskins, uh, we kind of scoffed at the notion of Adrian Peterson being a legitimate dude. But then when you look at what he is in terms of his playing style behind that offensive line, I still think it's something that could happen that could remind old Redskins fans of what John Riggins was able to do. in the Dang, you're going way back. Going way back. Look. Older player, but playing in an offense that's built for him. Downhill runs, power runs between the tackles, 19 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns. I'm not saying that Adrian Peterson is still the guy that was the leading rusher, but he's certainly a viable option that you can kind of build around. And as they commit to being kind of a ground-and-pound team, the Washington Redskins are going to win some games. I'll tell you what, I didn't see a ton of this game, full disclosure. But every time I, I, I got a chance to look at it, it's just TV scouting. Didn't get a chance to look at the tape yet. It looked like that Redskins defensive line kind of dominated, controlled the line of scrimmage, get off to the passer a little bit, and Aaron Rodgers, especially the uh, the Alabama boys there with uh, with Payne and, and Jonathan Allen. Yeah, that. But more importantly, like, look here. Here's the issue that I've had with the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have conceded yards uh, on the ground. They had a tough time stopping Chicago when I was there on Sunday night, and it continues to be a theme. Mike Penn is a guy that is very, very aggressive. He does a lot of good things that are really designed to get to the quarterback. But right now, they haven't been able to stop the run. If Washington is able to run the ball like this against the Green Bay Packers, other teams are going to follow suit against Green Bay. But more importantly, Washington needs to stick to the script. This is the formula for them to win games with Alex Smith playing as a compliment. I was talking about that formula, and there you have it. All right, let's move on. Hey, get break out the break out the pom poms and get a little celebration going because the Lions they broke the streak. It's fighting his way just shy of the 45-yard line. Carry on Johnson though, 10 <laughs> yards. And that breaks the streak. Not yet. Lions fans know it, though. They're standing and cheering because Carrion Johnson has just topped 100 yards on the ground. The streak is over. No chance he's getting another carry after that one. <laughs> no, yeah. no. No, no. You're, no, no. You're on the sideline. It's all done. You got that streak put to bed. I know that's something that they had uh, really focused on as an organization, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. Uh, wanted to find a way to get that streak broken and kind of change the identity of this team, become more balanced, be able to run the football. And, and carry on Johnson, Bucket guy we both like going through the draft process, saw some good things last night. Yeah, saw some really good things. I'm kind of surprised they haven't really leaned on him more in the first couple of weeks, but they finally gave him the ball, 16 carries, 101 yards. Uh, his quickness, his suddenness, his ability to kind of slip in and out of slithery. Tackles. He's a slithery runner. Yeah, like it, it really, really deceptive in terms of his running style, but does a really good job. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Matt Forte and the way Matt Forte plays. I like that one. Just kind of smooth and silky. You look up and he has 100 yards. He is a guy that can help them bring much-needed balance to the offense, and the balance from the run game will make Matthew Stafford a more dangerous player. If the Lions can kind of stick to this script, I think they may have found a recipe for some wins. You mentioned balance. I think Stafford, let's see here, 36 pass attempts. They ran the ball 33 times. So 
that's pretty darn even uh, there. That's the balance you're looking for, something the Lions have not had in a very long time. Man, talk about taking some pressure off your quarterback, though. Much needed there at Detroit. Much needed. Speaking of quarterbacks, it's time for the Cardinals to hand the ball to the rookie. It's about eight yards deep. It's going to be a touchback, and Josh Rosen takes an NFL field for the first time. The rookie out of UCLA, the Cardinals traded up in the draft to get him at number 10. You hear the reaction from the Cardinal fans. The Bear fans are on their feet, too, because their team's leading. But it's the kids' team now. It is the kids' team's now. What do you think it, about the timing, though? Buddy? I mean, the timing wasn't ideal, but you got to get him out there. They, they, put, they, they put him out there. They wanted him to kind of make a miracle. Four minutes happen. left in the game. Go win the game, kid. No Go pressure. win the game. No pressure. No pressure. Look, it's the best situation. Put him out there. Let him throw it around the, throw it around the yard. Had an interception, but that's fine. I think the most important thing, he got on the field, four for seven, 36 yards. You can live with uh, some of the mistakes. It wasn't ideal, but I think now that he kind of got a taste of it, you can now reset set a game plan for him, and then next week give him the ball, let him start, let Josh Rosen be the guy because what are we waiting on? Yeah, I, Sam Bradford is. What I Sam thought he should have started. I thought we both said he should have started this. Should have started from the jump, but now he's going to. He should be the starting quarterback. I think you have to figure out a way to build this offense around him. But this is what I'm saying. Look, Mike McCoy is one of my closest friends in the business. Mike McCoy is going to have to be more creative um, for this offense for the young quarterback. When you look at all the other young quarterbacks that are playing. A lot of creativity around them. A lot of, lot of college type stuff going we, around. We like RPOs, to say eye candy. A lot of eye candy. A lot of deception and misdirection kind of helped them. The Cardinals' offense is a static offense. Is an offense that is built for the '90s. They need to kind of modernize this offense to help Josh Rosen have a chance in the pocket. How about get your running game going? I've been really disappointed yeah. there. I saw David Johnson look great in the preseason. Yeah, but, you know, you talked about that offensive line. We talked about that offensive line not being great. Uh, I know they tried to make some additions and some changes, but right now it's not a great offensive line. And we thought the recipe was going to be for them to hand the ball to David Johnson 20, 25 times, let him kind of stabilize the offense, and then the quarterback kind of plays as the side kick. Right now, they haven't established that, and it's putting too much pressure on the quarterbacks to have to make plays. All right, before we get out of here, we do have uh, some breaking news. I don't know if it's shocking news, but it is breaking news. Baker Mayfield's been named wow. the starting quarterback, and that that we all expected that to happen. But I do find this a little interesting from our Gil Brandt, who, uh, who tweeted out the uh, – the news that Mayfield had been named the starting quarterback and said maybe the he said the 49ers should trade for Tyrod Taylor. Thoughts? I mean, it wouldn't be a, a bad move. I mean, he's on a one-year deal. He certainly would be an upgrade over C.J. Beathard. Um, look, Tyrod Taylor can certainly play in this league. Like, what is he, mid to low-level starter? Yes. Uh, in Cleveland, it's a done deal. Like, Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback. They have Drew Stanton behind him. Maybe the Cleveland Browns can trade Tyrod Taylor pick. off. Get a pick back. And for the 49ers, maybe you can bring about a little hope because understand, he's playing on the end of a one-year deal. Uh, he's a rental. He's a rental until Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. If you're trying to kind of stay in the race, maybe, just maybe, Tyrod Taylor would be a nice fit. And the way Kyle Shanahan designs his offense with the boots and the scrambles and the movement, yeah, he fits. Tyrod Taylor certainly would fit. Yeah, interesting thought there from our, uh, from our Gil Brandt. All right, anything else you want to hit here, Buck, before we wrap it up? No, that's it. I can't wait to talk about college football. And Oh, did you have another prospects. good week? Oh, I don't know. I hadn't even paid attention. I don't know if I uh, – I didn't watch a lot of college football this weekend, guys. Yeah, oh, you didn't? So, huh? You no. didn't? Why? What happened? I, I don't know. I don't know. The volunteers? I, don't know. I know the Tar Heels are on the board. Tar Heels are in the game. Hey, congratulations Yay. on that. Well, boy. We, got, we got in the mix. Nice. How did no. Tennessee do? I, I, I didn't watch it, really. Hmm. I don't know. I think it was a bye week. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Did y'all have a Vontae Davis – Incident? We did. 
Somebody just quit at halftime, huh? Can, can I give you Pruitt, a home, Pruitt told him to, to pack it up. Homework, yeah. homework assignment. Yes, sir. For the college pod, which is coming out in uh, less, less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. All right, can you clip the sound of Pruitt after the game talking about that whole situation? Yeah, I could, <laughs> I wanted, I could try to find that. Not because I care about the situation or what happened there. I just want to hear Pruitt. <laughs> I know. It's so I, great. I love listening to that, dude. He, he's so country. Give, me a, little, love give me a little impression real quick. Well, uh, we get, we really gotta gotta get the boys going. Uh, it, it, you gotta go down and recruit the five stars out out of the high school level. Like you gotta start down low in the high school level, and then you really grow them up. We don't have the players right now. We don't have the horses. It's gonna take some time. Stay with me. Wow. Uh, see, I want more of that. Give me some Pruitt tomorrow. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for our takeaway pod. Buck, anything you're working on? You want to get out there? We got notebook coming up this week. Notebook coming up. Got to figure out what we're gonna talk about. But how about this? Xavier Howard may be the best corner in football. And Two, we never picks. About him. Two picks. Two picks. Crazy. I feel like I've given Xavier Howard a little love over the years. A little bit. Maybe I haven't. Um, I could go back and revisit my my grade on that one. Although, last thing, the advice to anybody out there that uh, aspiring scouts and anybody that wants to get in that business, we always say you never you never uh, raise your hand in victory yep. and you never claim defeat early on in an evaluation. The latest case in point, I did not miss on Marcus Hunt. It just took about five years. And now he is rolling right now for the Indianapolis. It takes a little goal. while. It takes a little I while. I knew it, Buck. I knew it. I knew it. Just needed a race setting. That's right. He's coming out now. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. I, yeah, I think he was my 47th player or something like that. Did not do a whole lot during his first four or five he years. He's need to get the right, the right, the right spot. fit. We got to get him a good fit. There hard knocks crush right there, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think he, I think he was on a, one of those hard knocks. Yeah, Bengals, yeah. maybe yeah. back when. Bengals. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Nice, uh, nice work today. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to download, subscribe, tell a buddy, all that good stuff. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.